This is Quotations, a podcast about words, written and spoken throughout history. If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, we shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. No matter where you're from, your dreams are valid. The Pale Blue Dot, the only home we've ever known. Hello and welcome to Quotations. I'm Matthew Monroe. Here's today's quote. Quote, The condition of our survival in any but the meagerest existence is our willingness to accommodate ourselves to the conflicting interests of others, to learn to live in a social world. End quote. And that quote comes to us from 1931, courtesy of Billings' Learned Hand. And Billings' Learned Hand was born January 27, 1872, in Albany, New York. He died August 18, 1961, at the age of 89, in New York City. Billings' Learned Hand was a lawyer, judge, and a judicial philosopher. And judicial philosopher was, to me and perhaps to you as well, a new term. And it's fairly self-evident, but it is essentially the discipline that examines the nature of laws and their relations to the norms of society. So it's an interesting merging of the very tangible, the laws of the land, with the very mental or very heady or very ethereal in philosophy. And learned hand, as he's often known, the Billings is usually dropped, learned as in the word learned, learned hand, was a federal judge for the District Court of the Southern District of New York from 1909 to 1924. It was a position to which he was appointed by President Taft. And he was a then an appellate judge for the Court of Appeals for the Second Circuit from 1924 to 1951, appointed by President Coolidge, and became the first chief judge of the Second Circuit Court of Appeals, a position which he held from 1948 to 1951. He then became a senior judge for the Second Circuit Court of Appeals from 1951 until his death in 1961. And a lot of that is legalese. A lot of those are terms that you may not be familiar with. Those might not even be courts that you're familiar with. I'm certainly not. I'm not a legal scholar. But we'll spend just a moment going over the very basics of the American federal court system. So first and foremost, he served on the district court and then the circuit court. And in the U.S. federal court system, the district court is the lowest level of federal court. Federal crimes are tried in federal court at the district court level. And there are 94 districts across the United States, so roughly two per state. And that's not always the case. A lot of states have one. Some states have many, like New York, California, Florida, etc. And there are the next level up from the district courts, where appeals to rulings made at the district court level is the appellate court or the circuit court or the circuit court of appeals. There are 13 of those courts spread across the United States. So 13 circuit courts hear the appeals from the 94 district courts. And those 13 courts occupy and cover a region. So the second circuit court, which is the court on which Learned Hand served, covers Connecticut, New York, and Vermont. And Connecticut and Vermont are two of the states that have just a single district court. And then New York has four 
district courts, north, south, east, and west, for a total of six district courts in those three states that that court of appeals hears cases from. And the final level, the one that we are probably all most familiar with, is the Supreme Court. Now, Billings Learned Hand never served on the Supreme Court, and there's a few reasons for that, and I won't get into that. You can look up his history and read about it yourself, but he... Many people argue that he should have been. People still to this day argue that he should have been. So all totaled, Billings Learned Hand was a judge for more than 50 years, one of the longest standing judges in U.S. federal judgeship history. And he was an exceptional orator and writer, and he is still to this day the most quoted lower court judge in the United States in both scholarly legal work and in the Supreme Court. And when I look through my quote book and I see the number of quotes that he has that are, or the number of quotes therein that are attributed to him, I understand why. The man had a way with words. He is almost certainly the most accomplished judge in, the most accomplished and well-known judge in U.S. federal court history to not have served on the Supreme Court. It's also worth noting, as I was doing a little bit of research into district and circuit courts, that none of... The neither district courts nor circuit courts are the responsibility of just a single judge. So when you hear about judges being appointed by the president, which they are, all federal judges are appointed by the president and they are lifetime appointments, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. But it's not a single judge that oversees an entire circuit court. It's not a single judge that oversees a district. Now, there are chief judges at each of those levels and there are a variety of other active judges at those levels. But that it's not just a single judge. Perhaps that's a well-known thing. It was not for me. So, for example, the Second Circuit Court has, this is again a court of appeals, so the second level in the federal court system. The Second Circuit Court has one chief judge, 12 active circuit judges, and 13 senior judges. And this is a good place to explain what a senior judge is. A senior judge is a form of kind of semi-retirement. And this is what Learned Hand did for about the last 10 years of his career and his life. Because these are lifetime appointments, it is not always that a judge desires to continue to rule on cases through the end of their life. So they go into this form of semi-retirement. They're still a judge on the court, and they can still participate in judicial proceedings if they so choose, something that Learned Hand did for most of his semi-retirement as a senior judge. But it's a position where the individual is still on that court, the individual can still hear cases, take on a workload that they can handle, but also be in a semi-retired state. So again, Second Circuit, one chief judge, 12 active judges, 13 senior judges. The Southern District Court of New York, which is where Learned Hand served, has one chief judge, 23 active judges, four vacancies as of the recording of this around mid-January, and 18 senior judges. Now, as I mentioned, these are lifetime appointments. So when a president appoints a judge, whether it's to the district court or circuit court or Supreme Court, it is a lifetime appointment, which is why these judges continue to hold a judgeship, even though they have entered a semi-retired state as a senior judge. And I thought this was particularly interesting, but one of the Southern District Court of New York judges is, one of the senior judges is the Honorable Charles Haight Jr., Haight, H-A-I-G-H-T, Jr., who was born in 1930 and appointed to that district court by President Gerald Ford. So he's been there for a minute or two, which I just thought was incredibly interesting. 
and looking at across some of the other districts and circuits, there are a number of judges that were born in the 30s who have been appointed and are still serving on those courts in the senior judgeships. So anyway, enough about the U.S. court system. May you never find yourself in it unless you wish to be. So, onward. Now, Learned Hand, unsurprisingly, attended Harvard, where he studied philosophy and law. And remember, we're talking about a judicial philosopher here, so it makes sense that he studied both law and philosophy, and was appointed to the federal court at the age of just 37. And Hand served on the court for the remainder of his life and was an outspoken critic of post-World War II anti-communist fervor, among other things. And in 1947, he had this wonderful quote, not the topic of today's episode, but a great quote nonetheless. He said, The frantic witch hunters are given free reign to set up a sort of inquisition, detecting heresy wherever nonconformity appears. What a great quote. What a just a wonderful way to summarize the things that were going on. Because remember, this is shortly after World War II. There is a growing concern over communism, the spread of communism around the world, specifically the USSR and its growing influence in the world. And this is also the time of McCarthyism under Senator uh, Senator McCarthy, where anybody who was suspected of having any ties to communism could be summarily rounded up, questioned by Congress, wrongfully imprisoned, and a variety of other things that we look back on now askance and aghast. But at the time, again, this is 1947, Hand says that. He says the frantic witch hunters are given free reign to set up a sort of inquisition, detecting heresy wherever nonconformity appears. And it was him, in one of his many, many well-spoken quotes, calling out what he saw wrong around him and doing so extremely eloquently. So clearly, I think it's safe to say that he was quite wise and well-read, as one would expect of a man such as held his position. And in 1931, then-Circuit Court Judge Hand addressed the graduates of Yale Law School. And the speech is absolutely fantastic. It is chock-full of wonderful quotes, each of which could be, and who knows, maybe one day will be, episodes all their own on this podcast. He has another one in there. I just can't help myself. I've got to give you just another one of his wonderful quotes. He said, quote, Liberty lies in the hearts of men and women. When it dies there, no constitution, no law, no court can save it. While it lies there, it needs no constitution, no law, no court to save it. Again, just fantastic words from the man. I encourage you, if, you, if you've never heard of Learned Hand before today, go and read some of the things that he said and wrote during his life. And you'll be surprised just how well-spoken the man was. And it's something that I'm actually regularly impressed with when I read or hear about court judgments. And I know this sounds like a super boring topic, but if you have not read a decision from the Supreme Court or have not read some of the verbiage or some of the dissenting opinions from Supreme Court cases written by judges, it's amazing how well written they are. Their grasp of the English language and their ability to turn phrase and their ability to, to write precedent in such a way that the words echo across time is, is fascinating to me. So again, I would encourage you to do that. I know, again, it sounds very boring, but you can actually glean quite a bit of information about why decisions were made the way that they were and why precedent is the way that it is. And with a little bit of research, learn quite a bit about the American legal system just by reading portions, small portions even, of the dissenting opinions for various Supreme Court cases. But I digress. 
This quote comes from a speech that Learned Hand gave to the graduates of Yale Law in 1931. And today's quote was a cautionary one to the graduates. So I'm going to read it to you one more time, now that you know a little bit about the prowess of the man, the, the background that he had, and to whom he was speaking at the time. But here's what he said. He said, The condition of our survival in any but the meagerest existence is our willingness to accommodate ourselves to the conflicting interests of others, to learn to live in a social world. End quote. Now, what I love about this quote, and why it speaks to me, is that it's part of a commencement speech, which, if you followed this podcast for any time, know are just wonderful sources of quotable material. We've done a number of quotes here from commencement addresses, Barack Obama, J.K. Rowling, and now Learned Hand. And these are fantastic. And I think the reason why they speak to us so much is because people, more than just about any other speech that they'll ever give in their entire life, put a lot of time and effort into thinking about what they want to say to people as they are about to graduate college and enter quote-unquote adulthood. Now, of course, college is not for everyone. It's not the only path to success. But it's one of the few places where you have a captive audience for a period of time that wants to hear what you have to say and hopefully will internalize it and take it with them into their adult lives. So people put a lot of time and effort and thought into what they're going to say. And I think Hand is no different here. When he was given this opportunity to speak to the graduates of Yale Law, even being a Harvard man himself, I'm sure he put a lot of time into thinking about what he wanted to say to this future class that would include district and circuit court judges, state judges, lawyers, etc. And this is one of the most important and capable speakers and judges in American history that's giving these words. And he took time in this speech to law students to talk not just about law, as would have been appropriate, but about life. I mean, this quote, if you look at it, has nothing to do with law, in fact. Hand warns that a life without cooperation is, at best, meager. And remember, this is 1931. This is before World War II. This is post-World War I. This is Great Depression times. And these young law professionals, on the eve of their illustrious careers, are listening to Learned Hand give them advice about life. And... He wants them to know that they must cooperate in a social and civil world in order to thrive, in order to live not the meagerest of existences, as Hand says, but to thrive. And this is a privileged group, especially in the 1930s, to be at Yale Law. These are children of money, power, influence, etc. And Hand knows this, and he still cautions them. And we, as listeners, can learn from this, just as those students hopefully did. We can be civil and social and recognize that zero-sum behavior is detrimental to us all. And I think that's what Hand would want us to take away from this. If we do not want to live the meagerest of existences, barely squeaking by, we have to recognize that other people are going to see the world differently than we do and that that is okay. And that we can cooperate and we can glean from each other the value that one or the other brings to us. And again, I go back to why do these quotes jump out from amidst all the quotes in my book to be brought to you on the air? And I think it's because this is so rare right now. I'm not going to say forever, and I'm not going to say that this is a unique time necessarily. But to those of us that are alive right now, it can feel very uncivil. It can feel as uncivil as it's ever been in our whole lives. And that kind of 
lack of civility and lack of kindness and recognition of others' humanity and that contradictory and difficult ideas are still valid. Because if somebody created the idea, that idea can be changed. You may not be able to do it, but you may, able to, may be able to sow the seeds that result in that idea changing. And that's okay. And even if you don't, that's okay. We still need to cooperate. So I guess today as we close, I think the thing to take away from all of this is that if you want to thrive and live the very best life that you possibly can and escape that meagerest of existences, that we have to learn to recognize that other people are going to have different views than us and that that's okay. And that we must accommodate ourselves to the conflicting interests of others, as Hand would say. And that we must learn to live in a social world. We must learn to be social with those with whom we disagree. That is the only way to avoid the meagerest of existences. Those were Learned Hand's cautionary words to the Yale Law graduates of 1931. And they're the cautionary words to us today in the year 2022, nearly a hundred years hence. Learned Hand's words still speak to us across time. Until next time, I'm Matthew Monroe. This is Quotations, and thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please subscribe in your favorite podcast app, or visit me at quotationspod.com to download and listen. Please also take a moment to recommend the podcast to a friend. That's a huge help. You can tweet at me at quotationspod. Send me an email to quotationspod at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at quotationspod. Or join the conversation on Facebook at Quotations Pod. I look forward to hearing from you, welcome your feedback, and thanks as always for listening.